What up fam, I'm Elena, a certified nutrition coach, personal trainer, and hormone specialist. I'm a former public educator turned holistic fitness coach, and I'm on a mission to disrupt diet culture and educate individuals on how they can heal their gut issues, hormone imbalance, and food relationships caused by chronic dieting, inflammation, and autoimmune or chronic illness. My philosophy for coaching is simple. Eat more, move better, feel amazing, because life is too short to feel like shit. So let's dive in. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of What the Funk. I'm Elena. If you guys um, don't know me already, hi, nice to meet you. Um, if you do know me, welcome back. If this is uh, your first time listening to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. If you are a loyal listener, again, thank you for tuning in. Um, if you do get some uh, good information, some nuggets, some solid things that you feel like, man, I'm really glad I listened to that today. I feel like I learned a lot about my body and what's going on with it, or just learn something new, especially if you are also maybe a fellow coach who is listening and you're like, man, this is going to help me maybe implement some strategies with my own clients dealing with PCOS and maybe even insulin resistance today. Um, drop me a rating and review on the podcast. The podcast overlords love that kind of stuff. They then push the podcast out to other people who are maybe listening to similar things. Um, and as always, my goal is to help people get educated and empowered and just get more information because knowledge is power. So we're coming at you today. I got a little, uh, little iced matcha, little, little matcha ASMR. Um, there's a really great, um, coffee shop, not too far from me that I really enjoy frequenting a couple mornings a week. They open at 6am, which is so nice. So in the mornings that I'm not training at six, I like to go pop over to that coffee shop, um, in the morning. And I usually do like maybe two cups of coffee a day. And then I switch to like tea or matcha. Matcha is just basically green tea. Um, and they make their own matcha in house. And when I tell you it is tasty, Oh gosh, you guys, it is so refreshing. It is so good. I used to not like matcha and now it's like one of my favorite things ever. So matcha sip. So refreshing, especially because it's getting a little warmer out here in Arizona. It's going to be 90 today, which is actually cooler than it has been yesterday. It was cooler too. Um, so hopefully wherever you are, you are getting some good weather. All right. So what are we talking about today? So the last two episodes that we did, I did sort of a Q&A which, in which we talked about a lot of topics. And one of the topics that I thought would be good as sort of an expansion episode on that is talking about PCOS as well as insulin resistance um, and how PCOS and insulin resistance are related. So you might be dealing with one or both of those situations. Um, so let's just, we're going to, we're going to just jump right in. So first of all, I need to put a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, the way that I'm going to refer to some things, um, in description of, uh, people's bodies, I just want you to know that my take on body size is that your body size does not determine your health. It does not determine your worth, right? I'm very much a body neutral coach, but when we're talking about excess weight gain, fat storage patterns, things like that, there might be individuals who categorize as in the general concept of the generalized concept of being overweight. Now, this is not going to be a conversation exclusive to individuals who are holding on to higher body weight or bigger body size, right? They're, they're living in that body um, because PCOS and insulin resistance can affect all body sizes and all body weights. It's not discriminatory against that. Um, and we're going to talk about a little bit why. So I just want you guys to know that I'm going to be referencing and maybe saying certain words, but I just want you to understand that it's not that I'm referencing them as a bad thing. I'm just referencing them as a fact, right? Because let's be real. Fat is not 
bad. If you are somebody who would say, yes, I'm fat, that's not like a knock against you as a person, right? People people uh, like to resonate, you know, diet culture is like fat is bad and oh my gosh. Or they say things like, oh, you'd be so pretty if you weren't fat. And you're like, no, I'm fat and I'm also pretty, right? So the two are not like, you know, you can be overweight or fat or whatever you want to call yourself. And that doesn't exclude you from being able to access resources. And it shouldn't exclude you, even though it sometimes does. It shouldn't exclude you from being able to access resources and information. Um, And I'm just referring to things as fact, right? We're just stating a fact. It is not a negative thing. So I just want to make that very, very clear. My take on body size, body weight, body shape is not, I don't care what kind of body you come in. I just want to make sure that I'm giving you the information so you can do with it what you will. All right, so PCOS, what is it? It is, it is a acronym for polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, in order to get a medical diagnosis for this, which getting a medical diagnosis for this is kind of neither here nor there. A lot of times getting the diagnosis can help you access further testing, resources, diagnostics, things like that, that could be beneficial, especially if you have a lot of complications um, stemming from this PCOS, this polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, the standard is the Rotterdam criteria. And you have to meet two out of those three criteria in order to be diagnosed with PCOS. And this three criteria that you need to meet at least two of is you have cystic ovaries, um, which polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, You are hyperandrogenic, which means you have elevated levels of testosterone or androgens in your system. And you have an irregular cycle. So you don't have a regular 28 to 32 day cycle. Your cycles might sometimes be 35 days or 40 days or like 50 days. And then sometimes maybe they're like 20 days, right? So you have an irregular cycle um, to some degree. Maybe you have like a cycle between bleeds, you go like three, four months, right? And and that's what we would call an irregular cycle. Um, And what's funny about this PCOS, this label is right? You're thinking, well, don't you have to have cystic ovaries to have PCOS? And technically, no, you can just be hyperandrogenic and have an irregular menstrual cycle and be diagnosed with PCOS, (laughs) right? Again, it's a blanket diagnosis that just encompasses a lot of different symptoms, which might be irregular cycles, painful cycles, lots of mood swings, severe PMS. Um, You might be dealing with more acne than somebody else might be dealing with. You might be having more body, more facial hair due to the um, elevated androgens. You might deal with issues or concerns with infertility. You might deal with more pelvic inflammation and pelvic pain um, and digestive issues also due to... um, you know, because your pelvis is like, dude, it's like right next to all of like your digestive organs. So like that inflammation within your pelvis can affect, um, your digestive system as well. (laughs) Um, you might have cysts on your ovaries. You might deal with birth cysts, which are so painful. Um, you might have some unwanted weight gain and then the further contraindications of this could be, and this is where we're going to get into some other health issues that kind of come alongside PCOS is, um, remember PCOS is a blanket diagnosis and it's, it is a hormonal imbalance at its at its at its true core. It is a hormone imbalance. Um, the the why of it sometimes doesn't always matter, right? Sometimes we're so obsessed with figuring out why, 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 why did this happen? Why me? Blah blah blah. And it's like, it's sometimes good to figure out why, and sometimes it's like, you know, this is the situation that I'm in. I'm going to make the best of it and gain as much knowledge as I possibly can. So, um, things to know about PCOS, some um, additional contraindications or further complications that you might experience um, that are pretty common with PCOS, right? However, it can become elevated. Now, the reason that this happens is due to more usually visceral belly fat 
due to high androgens and low estrogen. Well, what is, what is your t- high androgens or elevated testosterone have to do with your hormones and your development of um, belly fat in the midsection? And visceral fat is going to be that fat that's around the organ. So this doesn't always necessarily mean that you're carrying, um, you're like overweight or if you have more fat in your midsection, you might, but I've seen people that, you know, you would look at them, they don't look like they have a lot of midsection fat, but their visceral fat, right? That fat around the organs is more elevated. Um, this tends to happen because of the elevated androgens associated with PCOS. Um, this can cause insulin levels to remain elevated because there are, um, androgen receptors on liver and the pancreas, um, high androgens can lead to, and because of that, this can lead to hyperinsulinemia or more insulin, which is then where people deal with, um, issues with blood sugar management, energy management, and this can lead to more visceral um, fat being stored in the midsection, which then leads to those elevated triglycerides. So if you ever wonder why that happens, there's a sort of basic overview of how that happens. When this happens, when we have these elevated triglycerides and low HDL, this can cause inflammation throughout the rest of the body. And this is, again, another thing that I see with PCOS is we really need to focus on the management of inflammation at the end of the day. Um, this can Because this can then show up as fatigue, brain fog, um, systemic stress within the body. Um, it, it can cause issues with your thyroid function down, you know, as like a sort of a downtrending, down regulatory, down stream effect. There we go. I was trying to think of the word. So it's kind of like a, you know, it starts at the top of the stream and everything kind of trickles down and it's going to eventually hit other systems within your body. Right. Um, and so those are pretty common things to know with PCOS from like a basic health standpoint. Um, you can have those, that higher level of visceral fat, elevated cholesterol issues with inflammation. Um, and then that can in turn sometimes spur on even more disease. So unfortunately, a lot of people who have one chronic or autoimmune illness will usually get diagnosed with another. I'm a perfect example of this, right? I got, I had untreated endometriosis, un, unmanaged endometriosis, or it was being managed, but it wasn't being managed well because I was just put on birth control to quote unquote fix shit. And if you don't know how I feel about that, go listen to episode two. I'm actually going to have some more birth control um, specific podcasts coming up here. But um, I, they, I had this undiagnosed endometriosis and it's, uh, said the, the, the statistic is about if you have like an unmanaged chronic or autoimmune illness, that additional inflammation is going to spur, um, the onset of another chronic or autoimmune illness within seven to 10 years. And I had this, um, endometriosis causing the systemic inflammation in my body. And then eventually got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune thyroid disease. Right. So again, a lot of people that I see walking in with PCOS, they, they walk through my, you know, proverbial door. Cause I'm, I'm an online coach, right? I don't have like a, a door door. Um, <laughs> they, they, they get into my DMS. We start talking and it's like, I have PCOS and PCOS and PCOS and, and that's extremely common because of this inflammation, because of the high androgens, um, because of the elevated insulin. And we're getting into how this also relates to insulin resistance um, down the road. Um, And so one common thing I see going back to birth control is birth control is used to manage PCOS. But here's the thing. PCOS is already a hormone imbalance. Birth control was developed to disrupt body's processes at its core. Going way back to the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, birth control was meant to disrupt the body's natural pathways, not to fix them. It was meant to be a disruptor, right? So how can you fix an imbalance with something that was already meant to disrupt? And I feel like there's a big disconnect within, um, you know, the medical community. They're just like, oh, we're going to slap birth control on it because it's going to shut everything down and quote unquote regulate it. But here's the thing, um, you know, 
it's, it's so often it's prescribed to like help regulate even like an irregular period, but you're not having a period when you're on a birth control pill. You're not truly ovulating. And even with an IUD, you can technically still ovulate depending on how your body is responding and what type of IUD it is. You can still technically ovulate, but you're not going to be able to sustain a pregnancy, right? And sometimes with that, because that um, even that IUD is really concentrated, it can actually cause irregular cycles, right? You should technically be ovulating at some point, but you're not. And so all of these things are meant to disrupt that natural pathway of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, triggering an egg, ovulation, things like that, right? Um, so you can't fix something with something that's already meant to break a system that is meant to exist in peace, just putting that out there. So that's my, that's my take. Uh, if you continue to stay tuned into the podcast, shameless plug, um, you will hear me talk just more about birth control and its impact on the body and how this impacts very common issues that people deal with today. So what is insulin resistance? Let's get into this. Cause this is a big question. And this is something that I see a lot, unfortunately, um, you know, the American standard diet, very highly processed foods, you know, very low in nutrient intake, very, very stressed out, lifestyles, populations, societal expectations, right? All of this leads to this sort of perfect storm of insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is usually um, a lifestyle induced state of being, right? So let's talk about, however, obviously with the, you know, PCOS, um, it can have some other sort of root causes, but let's start with the basics. Um, if you listen to part one of the Q and a, I kind of went over some of this stuff, but I'll do a little crash course on it again, if you're new to the podcast or just a good review, because you know, it never hurts to hear this information multiple times. So you eat your blood sugar elevates. Okay. So you eat things have sugars, carbs, you know, nutrients, your blood sugar spikes, and then your body releases insulin, right? The pancreas releases insulin and that is meant to lower blood sugar. Now that glucose is stored in your liver and your muscles is glycogen. And this is your body's main source of fuel. So this is why sometimes when people do like low carb diets, initially they can feel very like, oh, I feel like my brain isn't all the way there. That's because you're maybe giving your brain a little less fuel because your brain uses the glycogen that's stored in your liver as fuel, right? To, you know, make decisions, think thoughts, put sentences together. Um, and now in a healthy individual, um, oh, and there's another thing called glucagon that we have to be aware of, um, cause this is going to come into play, um, here with insulin resistance and, and glucagon keeps blood sugars elevated after like a period of fasting, right? So it's sort of the inverse of insulin. This is also released by the pancreas. So in a healthy individual, the balance of all of these things, you eat, blood sugar rises, um, insulin gets released, blood sugar comes down, blood sugar starts to dip too low, pancreas releases glucagon to keep it elevated so you continue to have energy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, you, what happens there is you are then managing your blood sugar really well. Well, what happens is with insulin resistance, when it's developing from a lifestyle issue, um, you know, it, it's again linked to having a lot of visceral fat within the abdomen, which can be sort of dialed back into that standard American diet. If that's been somebody's, you know, lifestyle for a long time, you might have a lot of visceral fat um, around the organs there, which again, elevates those triglycerides. Um, and so, but again, you don't need to be overweight or in a bigger body in order to experience insulin resistance. It can happen to anybody at any body size. It's, it's really a lifestyle thing um, unless you're having PCOS and then it could be potentially a lifestyle connected to that process with the androgens. So insulin resistance is when eventually, <laughs> um, I, you know, when what happens is there's too much glucose that can't be stored in the blood and the liver. And this can happen from an excess of calories, right? Uh, or this can lead to, and then your body continues pumping out this insulin 
and then essentially um, the tissues become the tissues, your your fat cells, your muscle cells, et cetera, et cetera, um, your liver cells um, become sort of desensitized to this high insulin output, and then you become insulin resistant. Well, how does this work with PCOS, right? So we, if you are hyperandrogenic with PCOS, you are more likely to deal with insulin resistance because of, again, the, those receptors on the liver and the pancreas for androgens, testosterone, basically, um, uh, ex, uh, those high androgens, those receptors, you have high androgens, your receptors are taking in more of everything. This can lead to hyperinsulinemia, more insulin than the body would be producing otherwise. And then this overproduction of insulin, right? Similar to if we have a lifestyle induced insulin resistance, you keep pumping out this insulin too much, too much, too much. The tissues stop responding. But here's the thing is that you're also still producing glucagon. So you're just in this chronically, and in both situations, you're just, you're still producing glucagon and you're still, you're now in this chronically elevated state of elevated blood sugar. And this is where we deal with energy management. This is where we deal with lots of high cravings, right? Hor like you get really bad cravings. It's not like your lack of willpower. It's probably an issue with insulin and blood sugar, right? Um, and that whole function within your body. Um, and so uh, it's, and then you can have that weight loss resistance. So you're likely good to gain more weight at this point. You're going to have some metabolic downtrending, meaning your body's not going to be burning as many calories at rest and things like that. Um, and so how to address this insulin resistance specifically? Um, again, things that are here, they're huge, are going to be pretty much the same for whether it's somebody that's dealing with insulin resistance without PCOS or dealing with insulin resistance with PCOS. And that's going to be managing inflammation, right? So sleep and stress are going to be huge ones. I, again, if you've been around or if you're like my client and you're listening to this, you're like, oh, that those things those things, right? That sleep and stress. If you're not making the time for stress management, you're not making the time for regular exercise. And again, and I have, I have this conversation all the time too, like with my clients, obviously part of my role as a coach is to kind of hold people accountable. And when I start to hear the, Oh, I'm too busy. Oh, I'm too busy. Oh, I'm too busy. I'm like, but are you really, are you really that important that if you take 30, 40 minutes, an hour to yourself a day to take care of yourself, that everything in your life is going to fall apart? because I promise you that you're not that important. Even, even my business owners, right? Even me as a business owner, I've had to have this conversation with myself that if that, that I am not so important that if I take an hour to myself in the morning to work out or go for a walk before I jump into all my work for the day, that, and, and if everything is going to fall apart, then you need to reevaluate how your life is structured, right? There's a bigger, there's a bigger problem at play. If things really, truly will crash and burn without you, if you are, only available to yourself and your needs for a small chunk of the day, right? And so again, so this is going to be sleep and stress management. Exercise is huge for insulin resistance, specifically really making sure that we're adding lean tissue. So we're looking at resistance training, low impact cardio, low intensity cardio, eating plenty of protein because we want to create more room for that glucose to be stored so it doesn't continue circulating back into the circulating back into the bloodstream. Okay. So more muscles means more room for that nutrient storage. So adding muscle tissue here is going to be really important for anybody dealing with insulin resistance, regardless of the root cause. Um, and then we're going to look at meal timing. We're looking at nutrient intake. We're looking at improving nutrient absorption through digestive health, not just through supplements, but through like functional practices with digestive health. If you're not pooping on a regular basis, right, there are things that we can do, things that we can try, such as like implementing 
strengthening bowel training that can help your body start to function the way that it's meant to function without necessarily having to dump a ton of supplements into the picture. Um, a lot of times I will monitor fasted um, blood sugar or and postprandial or post-meal blood sugar two hours after somebody eats to see how their body is utilizing um those, you know, how their body is starting to then respond. Because if, if, if blood sugar is really elevated at first and we start to implement some things and then we can see that blood sugar is starting to improve and slowly starting to improve, then it's like, okay, your body is starting to become more insulin responsive as time goes on. And then that's really beneficial because then that's going to all the things that we're also doing are also likely going to help reduce the amount of triglycerides that are, that are floating around in your system. We're going to raise that good cholesterol and we're going to reduce inflammation, right? This is all good stuff. So that that's that's how we manage it. That's how we manage it. You guys, it's not sexy. It's not sexy. Now, how you address this also with PCOS in the mix. Um, and, and no one's gonna like this answer because I'm not gonna be able to give like a blanket answer beyond the things I've already said because. Every single person with PCOS presents differently. Everybody's lab work looks different. Everybody has unique issues and imbalances that they're dealing with that require that custom curated like protocol that we develop when I'm working with somebody one-on-one, right? Not every person with PCOS has insulin resistance or issues with lipids, right? That triglyceride HDL ratio or cysts, right? They have they present so differently and their their bodies, you know, response to things is going to be different and their lifestyle implications, right? Their resources, their time and financial resources can also dictate what somebody's protocol looks like, but common themes, right? Sleep, activity, movement, nutrient intake, stress, nutrient deficiencies, okay? Um, pretty much everybody can benefit, and I can very safely recommend, and I have them linked in the show notes, a really solid multivitamin and a really solid EPA, DHA, or like fish oil, especially for an inflammatory standpoint. You want to make sure that you're taking one that's really good. And I have my two favorites linked in the show notes um, that are not terribly expensive. They're not terribly expensive, and they're also not like fancy influencer brands. They're like really good sort of like flying under the radar brands that me and other functional coaches go to time and time and again, because they're very high quality and we can trust them and we can trust recommending our clients to spend their hard-earned money on them. Right. I don't, and, and I like to be very mindful when I'm making supplement recommendations of somebody's financial resources and availability to implement a supplement routine. Right. Cause you don't need to be buying like $200 worth of supplements every single month. At least you shouldn't be not for the long term. There might be a scenario where we we hit a certain protocol hard for like maybe a month and there might be a few more things we integrate, but they're not daily drivers, right? But a solid multivitamin as well as um, a really good fish oil and most fish oils on like the shelves are not going to have the right amount of EPA and DHA. So really use, you just get the one that I linked in the bio. It's, you're going to have to order it online, but you want to know it. We order everything online these days. So MBD. Um, and, um, we're going to also want to make sure we're optimizing the nutrients that are being broken down. And this is where we then get into gut health. And since today's episode is now already going on, let me see the time, 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 time is already going on 23 minutes. You're going to want to stay tuned to the next episode because we're talking about reactive versus proactive gut health. So even if you're like, I don't have any issues really right now, good. Let's freaking keep it that way. What are you potentially missing that might mean you might start having problems down the road? And even if you're already having problems, 
these are the same strategies that I would recommend you implement. How can we be really proactive about our digestive health or nutrient absorption? And that's going to be episode um, 35 because, wow, this is episode 34 already. Oh, my gosh. All right, you guys. If you enjoyed today's episode, do me a solid. Take a screenshot. Share it to your Instagram story. Leave a rating and review. Share the episode with a friend. Let me know when you're listening because I want to know. And if you have an idea for um, an episode, a podcast episode, um, man, you guys really brought it with that Q&A episode, those last two episodes before this. That was really super super fun. I want to hear from you guys what you want to hear about, because frankly, some of those topics I would have been like, I didn't know people wanted to know about this until they said something. So say something to me if you have a specific topic you want me to bring into the mix. All right. You guys have a wonderful day and I will talk with you later. Thank you so much for tuning into the What The Funk podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and a review and don't forget to take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. My handle is at elena.m.fit. I would love to hear what you want to hear on the podcast. I do respond to DMs. I would love to talk with all of you. I'm so excited for you being here today. Thank you so much for the support and I will see you next time. Just a quick disclaimer for the information found in the What the Funk podcast. I am not a licensed medical professional, mental health professional, or registered dietitian. The advice and recommendations given out on this channel and on this podcast are not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition or mental health condition. If you do think you have a medical condition, please speak with your medical provider. Please consult your medical provider before implementing any kind of supplement regimen or exercise regimen or nutrition regimen into your lifestyle, as well as be aware that listening to this podcast does not constitute a coach-client relationship. Thank you guys so much.